Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Block <laughs> Radio. Welcome to Spiritual Insights with Charlotte Spicer. Spirituality and Metaphysics Talk Radio, featuring a course in miracles, dream interpretation, guided meditation, and the psychic and metaphysics free-for-all. It's your opportunity to consult with a professional psychic medium, discuss past lives, the chakras, and more. We are non-denominational, and there are no limits. Want to change your life? You must first change your mind. 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 No matter your religious structure, cultivate peace in your reality through self-awareness with an authentic spiritual teacher. And now, your host, Charlotte Spicer. Welcome to Spiritual Insights, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us from the United States and around the world. Today, we focus on A Course in Miracles in our virtual class format with Robert Rosenthal, MD. In these segments, Dr. Bob and I break down specific sections and offer our interpretation to help you gain a deeper understanding of the concepts of the course. If you're new to the show, Dr. Bob is the co-president of the Foundation for Inner Peace, the authorized publisher of A Course in Miracles, having served on the Foundation's Board of Directors since 1992. He was a practicing psychiatrist and psychotherapist for 32 years before retiring to take on this position. He was introduced to the course in 1975 at the age of 20 by Judy Scutch and became a close friend and protege of the course's co-scribe, Dr. Bill Setford. Dr. Bob is the author of From Nevermind to Evermind, Transforming the Self to Embrace Miracles, the first of a five-book series on the principles of A Course in Miracles, and From Plagues to Miracles, The Transformational Journey of Exodus, From Slavery of Ego, From the Slavery of Ego to the Promised Land of Spirit. If you would like to read excerpts and purchase from Nevermind to Evermind or From Plagues to Miracles, visit drbob-author.com, and that is without punctuation, so you will spell it drbob-author.com. To learn more about and purchase A Course in Miracles, visit acim.org, that's A-C-I-M is in miracle.org. And to review the archives of our virtual classes, visit spiritualinsightsradio.com. There you will also find the new library that I put together of recommended reading. You can also access tips for self-care and energetic maintenance, so do check that out. Well, join me in welcoming Dr. Bob back to the show. Hello, Dr. Bob. Pleasure to be hey, with Char. you again. Good to be back. And, awesome. um, and to be continuing our 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 little um, journey here through the course. Yes, it's really getting interesting. I love the section we're going to do. And today's topic, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking, uh, we're continuing with Chapter 17, which deals with forgiveness and the holy relationship. And today we're going to pick up with Section 4, the two pictures. The first 
Dr. Bob, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your new book and yeah, so as it the direction you're taking. The, yeah, so um, today is, uh, and, and whenever you're listening to this, it, it still is um, going to be relevant. Today is Martin Luther King Day, which I think is just a great day to have a book come out on. So my new book, From, Play, um, <laughs> from Nevermind to Evermind, uh, was just released today after a very long journey through publisher buyouts, and um, its delivery is about 10 months after it was originally scheduled. And I trust that there was some reason for that um, in Holy Spirit's grand plan, although it has not yet revealed itself to me. But the book is now available. It's the first book of a five-book series on the principles of A Course in Miracles, and as the first book, I really had to give some thought to if you were, if you had heard of the course but didn't really know about it but wanted to learn about it, what would be the first principle? What would be the most foundational thing to understand that would then allow the rest of the course's teachings to make a lot more sense? Because for a lot of people, what happens is they, you know, they pick up a course in miracles and they're looking at the text. And what I hear from people is, yeah, I know this is a profound spiritual truth. I just don't understand it, or I don't know how to get into it. So the idea behind this first book of the series was to help people understand it. And, um, and essentially, we start by looking at what is the self, because we all think we know who we are, but I think the fundamental teaching of the Course is to let you know that no, you don't know what you are, because we have this thing in our head called the ego, which has kind of hijacked the whole mental apparatus and fills our lives with so much chatter and nonsense and fear and shame and guilt and all that, that we don't ever or we rarely get still enough to experience what's behind it, which in the first book I'm calling Evermind. So in the first book, I'm not even really using coarse terms. In coarse terms, it would be the ego and the Christ. Instead, we're talking about it as the never mind because it never existed and it says never to anything wonderful like peace, happiness, joy, or love. Um, and on the other hand, the ever mind, which is always with us, always has been, fills up all the, I mean, it's really the only reality. So we look at, you know, kind of the self and then from there go to perception because the course spends a great deal of time on on the idea that what we see and what we th is, is not really real. And that's a tough one for people to get around. So I talk about that more from uh, the perspective of psychology and neuroscience. Um, but don't be intimidated. It's all um, very readable, very friendly, uses a lot of examples and metaphors. And then we shift to this idea that um, we all want to be part of something greater. You know, whether that's having a wonderful circle of friends or, as Char, you and I have been discussing uh, with our readings, a special relationship, um, you know, or a spiritual path that works. We, we, we want to be part of something. And it looks at sort of this question of the individual as opposed to the greater wholeness. Um, you know, is the ant really the being or is it the ant colony um, if you see a flock of geese flying in the sky we think oh you know there's six geese eight geese but is that really true or are those eight geese that group in and of itself um, sort of an, an organism a being and so I look at our desire to join and affiliate 
and how that always runs up against the ego's desire to be special um, and to oppose, to attack. And then finally, um, we get into a model for understanding how we can seem to be so separate and so different and yet really all belong to the same oneness and be identical in the eyes of God and the Holy Spirit. Identical because we are simply love. We are simply joy. We are simply peace. And, um, and, and that's a very tough thing for people to get their head around. But I offer, I think, a very um, powerful way to understand it. It's, I've gotten a lot of really good feedback from different, um, very experienced course students about it. So, uh, and then we look at miracles, of course, because what would a course in miracles be without miracles and how miracles flow naturally when you begin to understand what the ever mind is and access it and operate from it. And it leads into forgiveness, which will be the topic of the next book, which I'm working on um, almost as we speak. Uh, which will be about relationships and forgiveness. So I would, you know, whether you're spanking new to A Course in Miracles, um, tuning in because, you know, you uh, happen to have the free time and listen to some of other the other Spiritual Insights radio shows, or whether you've been working with the Course as long as, you know, 30, 35, 40 years, I think there is something of value for anyone in the book Um I'm pretty happy with it, and for me, uh, as a perfectionist, or as a recovering perfectionist, um, that's a a high bar. Um, Of course, I've already found a a number of, you know, errors and minor things that will need to be changed if and when it goes into a second printing, but um, I I, I think it's quite readable, and so far the feedback I'm getting is, wow, this was really fun, and yes, I am understanding things more deeply, which is exactly what what I would want to hear. So please do check it out. And as Char said, I have two different excerpts available on my website, one, uh, one from the homepage and one from the books page. On the website, I also, you know, you can access From Plagues to Miracles. Um, and uh, I finally decided to put two novels up, which I wrote under a pseudonym, published under a pseudonym. They're not at all related to A Course in Miracles. They're more about out-of-body travel and uh, the astral plane and all kinds of fun stuff like that uh, and Tantra. But um, they're fun. So if someone wants to see those, uh, they're there too. But they're certainly not reflective of what I'm doing today. I wrote wrote it in 1991 and then kept revising it um, every so often. So the edition that's up there is probably dates to about 2003, 2002. Um, but it's, it's, it's a new website. The old website from plaguestomiracles.com is still available and up and operating. So, so if you're interested in reading about From Plagues to Miracles, uh, you can certainly go there as well. Um, but this one is more reflective of where I am now because I'm, not, I'm no longer a one-book author and my – my life is pretty much devoted to A Course in Miracles uh, at this point and as far as I can see in the future. So, yeah, please check it out. Um, and if you like it, write a review. <laughs> they, they do make a difference to, uh, to authors. Uh, be amazed, those reviews, uh, people, people use those to determine whether, whether they want a book or not. Well, Absolutely they do. I want to say, yeah. I read the excerpt. 
in the book section, it's uh, chapter 5, talking about loving thy neighbor as thyself. And I love your writing style. Of course, I love From Plagues to Miracles, and I I especially love, and I want to underscore this, I love when you get into the psychology and and Mm -hmm. that aspect. And I love the anecdotes, the supporting anecdotes that go along with that that help us connect to what's being said. But I did I did notice right away in reading this excerpt that it's like you're talking to the reader, and it's very effective. Oh, good! It's, it's like you're talking to me. You know what I mean? Um, so it I has this warm yep. element of connection. So I really I wanted to point that out, and the website looks great. Thank you. And the cover looks great, and I'm looking forward to reading it in its entirety uh, in a few weeks. But um, well, there will be one on the way to you once once we know where to send it. <laughs> right, right. But congratulations on getting this done in spite of the challenges of getting it uh, launched. And I do think there is a greater plan because even for my project, I was told that with the energy of 2018, it would have been very difficult to not so much to launch my project, but to make them be successful with all that was happening, with all this convergence of energies. So mm-hmm. we definitely think the energy of this year being a very creative energy, um, as I've said in other segments, um, 2018, uh, if you break, break down the numerology, 2018 adds to the number 11. And that, was, that puts us in a space where we were in a, a, a year of positioning. And so 2018 was positioning us for an, another level. And so 2019 adds to the number 12, which is a very creative number, very significant throughout history. And so we're in a better creative space. So I think this will be to your benefit that it's launching Thank you. now. Well, I, I completely, yeah. at this point, I have seen how so many places where I thought my ideas were the right ones or my plan for my life would work. And running into roadblock after roadblock and then other places where, you know, such as my move out here to the West coast and taking this job with the foundation where I thought there's just no way I I can't see my, I I have no idea how this is going to unfold. I don't know how the money is going to ever work out. And just literally the red sea parting that I trust the, I mean, the shenanigans in finally getting this book out, I mean, in short, my publisher got bought out by a different publisher, and that publisher was an audiobook publisher, and they decided, we don't want to print any actual books, so we want to sell them back to you, the original company, except there was no more company. They'd been bought out. So they had to form a whole new company, and then they had to do these negotiations between them. I mean, it was so crazy. It was almost like something out of a, a comedy but I deeply, deeply trust the timing of um, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit. And I suspect that the A Course in Miracle, I mean, I, I, I strongly suspect that A Course in Miracles is going to be <clears throat> in the news in the next few weeks. Um, more than that, I probably won't say. Um, but I know that there is a well-known Course in Miracles teacher considering uh, – throwing their hat into the ring, uh, the political arena. And, Again? Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, All right. Uh, and I think that might, you know, who knows? Maybe it'll be bad press. Maybe it'll be good. I, I don't know. But I definitely trust that, 
that uh, the Holy Spirit knows what he is doing far better than I do. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if nothing else, it's given me a lot more time to work on the second book, which I've had a very hard time writing and really needed more time for. So if that's the only reason, thank you, Holy Spirit. I am grateful. But there I think there are other reasons. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and I wish that anonymous person luck in their next bid for office. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay, so let me give the website again. That is drbob-author.com, and it's D-R-B-O-B without punctuation-author.com. And do check that out and enjoy reading this new journey that you're on. I'm glad you're going to do five books and Thank and you. break it up that way. That sounds like a really, really great plan. You must have some incredible outline. Oh. Well, as I said, the next book will be Relationship and Forgiveness. After that, it will be a little more of a, a smorgasbord. I'll probably talk about the nature of time and the body and healing and try to cover a number of you know, important course topics in a less linear way. And the fourth and fifth ones will be very, very different. Um, the fourth will be Dialogues. Uh, and I have some fun, creative ideas for how those are going to play out. And the fifth I won't even talk about just yet because it will be something completely different, as Monty Python used to say. Mm. Mm. There's an idea I have in my head that pops up from time to time, and that's that I want to write a play based on A Course in Miracles, a musical, actually. <laughs> so, we just for got Broadway. someone who wants to do that. Really? I should put you guys together. <laughs> Yeah, and, um, yeah, I just, you know, it pops up. Like, I don't manufacture the thought. It just pops in. So I say, okay, well, whenever the time is right. But I want right. to tell you, you see something. see where it because, goes, yes. Yeah, see when it manifests. Nope. I don't need anything else on my plate right now. But I, and I wanted to tell you something that um, you reminded me of when you said that, you know, you're a perfectionist or a recovering perfectionist. Right, right. And and I have a motto that I wrote for myself to take myself out of that distress that you put yourself under when you're a perfectionist because I am a diehard perfectionist. <laughs> and so I wrote this for myself, and I, I want you to borrow it. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> Gratefully I say, accepted ahead of time. Yes, go ahead. Right. I say always I will aim for perfection, but if I miss my mark, I will gracefully accept excellence. That's beautiful. I will gracefully accept excellence. Yeah, where I I try to go with it is I'm already perfect in God's eyes, just like everyone else is, and that has nothing to do with performance or achievement or anything we do in the world. So in a sense, if I remember that, I'm already ahead of the curve. And then if I can turn it over to the Holy Spirit, which I've gotten pretty good at at this point after you know 40 plus years then whatever the outcome i trust it you know and uh i mean we wouldn't be here talking now if uh my screenwriting uh career which was really what i wanted to do more than anything else hadn't kept hitting brick walls and i now understand yeah holy spirit did that because it wasn't where i was supposed to be not what i was supposed to be doing and in yeah. fact, today, with all the shows on Netflix and Amazon, I, I had a TV pilot. It was a good one. I had a, a, a top agent who was shopping it around. And, um, yeah, I'd be writing a, t- a TV show. Um, you know, but that, this, this is more 
what my what the course calls our special function you know holy spirit's role for you your path through the illusion that helps you get back to oneness and bring as many people along with you as possible as many minds uniting um you know when we let go and let god so to speak then we're led in in the perfect direction for our happiness and that of anyone else who we know who who goes along for the ride. Mm. Fascinating. I agree mm-hmm. with you. Absolutely, the Holy Spirit um, has a hand in this, and and I firmly believe that Jesus is running this. So yes. you don't have to worry about it because someone else has has everything under control, no matter how out of control it seems. Um, but I would add that, yes, invite in the Holy Spirit and a really good proofreader. That's what, yes. was, <laughs> that's that, good. That's what would calm me down. Um, there, was, there was a saying I came across, and I think about my life and how I said, okay, I'm going to be a singer, and this is, what's going to, this is what it's going to be, and then I can help people and I can do this. And like you, I kept running into brick walls or sexual predators or what have you. Oh, God. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad, and I had no support. So I, I was all by myself in this world I didn't know how to navigate and uh, with victims stamped on my forehead and just attracted everybody. And so a few years ago, I found this saying, and I introduced it at a uh, Course in Miracles conference where I gave a talk. And the author of it is John de la Fontaine, and he said, destiny often finds you on the path you took to avoid it. Oh, that's beautiful. And that's really that good. So really that's La Fontaine, huh? Wow. Jean, Jean de La Fontaine. And I think it's appropriate because when, when life doesn't go the way we think it's supposed to go, according to our determination, and we find out where we really need to be, then that's what helps us kind of pull those thorns out of, of uh, disappointment, you know? Yes, yes. Now, that's a really good one. Um, mm-hmm. When you have a chance, if you could email that to me, that I would love to see that and put it in my, my little thought hopper for a future reference. That's great. I will do that. Mm-hmm. And so, so, great. So we talked about the book and encourage everyone, go check that out. And if you have any questions, you can reach Dr. Bob through his website. And we look forward to hearing what you think about it. Or better still, uh, so, ask a question on one of these shows. Then you get me live and in person, and I give better answers when I'm asked questions verbally than, than uh, you know, you get my writer self if you write a question, and I honestly have very little time to do that now, whereas right now I am here 100% for you. So get on the show uh, and ask a question, and we'll have fun with it. Okay. Yeah. All right. So are you ready to dig into this new section? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Okay. So once again, we're in Chapter 17, Forgiveness in the Holy Relationship, Section 4, the two pictures, and we're going to start with Paragraph 1, see how far we get, and continue from there like we always do. Right. We we almost certainly will not finish it because it's a long section. This will probably be three different uh, shows, I'm guessing, at least. But no doubt. Uh, we will see what we have to say. Do you want to start, it's, Char, or should I? I? Yeah, I have a couple thoughts I want to share. And it is a long section, but it's also very deep and complex. And you know how we get. 
<laughs> no. Yeah, it may be, you know, three segments or more. But what struck me right out of the gate with the first paragraph, um, first and second paragraph in this section, and we're talking about creating and creation. And the course also talks about how we can miscreate or choose wrongly and view that as a mistake. So I want to refer back to Chapter 16, Section 4, The Illusion and Reality of Love, briefly, just to give a little refresher on this terminology and its potential meaning, because I found it very interesting. And this is Paragraph 3 of Chapter 16, Section 4. And it says, The special love relationship is an attempt to to limit the destructive effects of hate by finding a haven in the storm of guilt. It makes no attempt to rise above the storm into the sunlight. On the contrary, it emphasizes the guilt outside the haven by attempting to build barricades against it and keep within them. So I kind of wanted to do a little uh, fortifying here. If you turn the page in paragraph 6, and these are topics that we covered uh, early in 2017. People can find on your site and listen to. Yes, you can, because we go into we went deep in the detail with this. But it says your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all of the barriers within yourself that you have built against it. It is not necessary to seek for what is true, but it is necessary to seek for what is false. Every illusion is one of fear, whatever form it takes. And the attempt to escape from one illusion into another must fail. So that's important to keep in mind. But here's the interesting thing. In paragraph 8 of the same section, it says, Heaven waits silently, and your creations are holding out their hands to help you cross and welcome them. For it is they you seek. You seek but for your own completion, and it is they who render you complete. The special love relationship is but a shabby substitute for what makes you whole in truth, not an illusion. Your relationship with them is without guilt, and this enables you to look on all your brothers with gratitude because your creations were created in union with them. So here's an interesting take on the use of the word creation, which is used in this section. So I kind of wanted to try to start in this manner to, to make sense of it because it gets a little challenging to understand it. No, this is good because I know what you're, where you're going with this. And, it, yeah, we have to understand what our creations are in order to get into that for those first two paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, it trips you up. Yeah. Because of, because of the bold statement that it makes. So um, do you want to get started with paragraph one? Let's do it. All right. Okay. So this is chapter 17, section four, the two pictures. God established his relationship with you to make you happy, and nothing you do that does not share his purpose can be real. The purpose God ascribed to anything is its only function. Because of his reason for creating his relationship with you, the function of relationships became forever, quote, to make happy, and nothing else. To fulfill this function, you relate to your creations as God to his, for nothing God created is apart from happiness, and nothing God created but would extend happiness as its creator did. Whatever does not fulfill this function cannot be real. Mm-mm-mm. So, I'm so glad you 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 had the foresight to go to chapter 16, because reading this, it would be very easy to say, um, 
oh, okay, I'm supposed to be happy all the time um, on all my relationships. What's the matter with me? Because this is what the ego does to us, of course. It finds the quickest path to guilt or, or fear or shame and tries to take us down that um, in service of the goal of self-improvement, like we need to be improved. What this is talking about, God established his relationship with you to make you happy. And nothing you do that does not share his purpose can be real. Well, when it says his relationship with you, we have to look at what that you means. Because it's talking simultaneously about us here in the illusion, but it's talking to the part of us that is the Christ self, that is literally the son, the offspring, the extension, the creation of God. And if, you know, if you understand sort of that section that Char was reading before, our relationship to God and our relationship to our creations are actually the only real relationships that there are. Uh, this is how I'm reading this section. You know, because of his reason for creating his relationship with you, the function of relationships became forever to make happy. In other words, the extension of love can only be happiness or really to be quite honest, happiness is sort of an understatement. It's joy. It's bliss. You know, the, the Hindu expression, Satchitananda, being awareness bliss, which describes Brahma, God, but also son of God. You know, we're the exact same thing. Um, it's, it's blissful. And that's, that's our reality. And our real relationships are with God and with our creations. And our goal in this world is to get back to them. And you'll see the very first line of the second paragraph that Char will read makes it very clear sort of the distinction and how we can begin to go about fulfilling our function here in this world so that we can return or remember, really, because we never left it, so that we can remember our actual function in heaven. And the section, shard that you read from uh, chapter 16, I think it, it said something like, you know, your creations are waiting for you. Um, you know, they're, 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 they're uh, you know, they're holding out their hands uh, for our welcome. This, of course, is a bit of a metaphor because in eternity, you know, waiting is a concept of time and, you know, nothing's waiting. But it's sort of that idea that as we absent ourselves from them, we lose them. We miss them. We, we, we're no longer fulfilling our function as God created us. So I mm. think I'll stop there and, um, and, and hear your thoughts, but you know, it, it was essential that you, that you bring in that, that paragraph uh, eight from uh, chapter 16, uh, four. Yeah. Because it gets, it gets, um, I think it takes a little bit of contemplation about the word creation and, and what that means to you in terms of manifestation and what you summon. But I but I go into it in my interpretation. Okay. And I want to I want to start with given my um, foundation in the Catholic Church and the things that they teach. Um, no matter how I protested as a child, because I just I couldn't believe anything they said. I just I felt instinctively that a lot of what they were talking about was not true. Um, they tell you know I I because of that of what they teach I stay away from the word sin 
because they teach you that, you know, you're nothing but a sinner, an original sin, and you're no good, and you can't get into heaven unless you really sacrifice or do whatever. There's this big list of demands, and that, you know, and God is judgmental. So I stay away from um, the Catholic definition of sin. But this paragraph lends itself to my understanding of what sin is per Jesus' explanation to me as, a, as, as in, in our channeling. And that is this. It's that he said that it's anything that does not honor your connection with God. And so it's not so much coveting that, you know, you go through the commandments, but it's, it's really anything where you are not feeling connected to God and, and not honoring that connection to God. So it could be anything that does not bring you joy. And security, a sense of security, where you don't have to covet your neighbor's wife. Your wife is just fine, you know, that kind of thing. So in essence, here's what I think. God created your soul so that you would experience his blissful joy and love for life or existence, existence, quote, unquote. In this incarnation, your spirit, now being hosted by a physical body accompanied by a man-made ego, anything you think, say, feel, do or believe that does not contribute to or support this state of being is part of a fragmented illusory vision of reality created by the ego. If the only function of human life were to be summed up as, quote, to experience joy in the growth of conscious awareness and the presence of love, then the function of relationships is to continually project that love to others. Uh, let me correct that, extend that yeah. love to others. Let's take the word creation in this sentence and look at it in terms of what you, quote, bring about in your life, those relationships or alliances you've attracted or made in terms of children, because we procreate. To accomplish the goal outlined here, you must relate to them as God to his creations, as extensions of yourself. Your function as an extension of God's love is to extend that love outward. Anything you offer in a relationship that is not an extension of the purity and defenselessness of that love is rendered false in the eyes of the Holy Spirit and begs correction because what is real doesn't need to be defended or vindicated. So the special relationship is about keeping score and God's love holds no grudges. I also want to add in other words. So in the separation, the ability of a human to see its true connection to God becomes obscured. And so fear is experienced in many forms. God's intention in creating the soul was to experience happiness through individu- the individuation of himself. For instance, when I would sing, I used to be a singer, when I would sing, I think God experienced a particular joy because I was so connected with him in those moments. But when I was depressed, I would pull away from him and deny my connection to him. And so for, for all of humanity, I think, holding God's light and love in our minds is the best the best way to experience happiness, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what emotions you're experiencing, asking yourself with a fully open mind and heart, where is the love? Where is the light? Those are the questions you can ask, and that's what will illuminate the core part of you that is deeply connected to God, and that will allow you to feel the happiness this paragraph describes. Does that make sense? Yep, it does. Um, Yeah. I, I would add just the thought, what's your, what, you know, when you think about a relationship, when you think about anything that you're doing, 
the Course says over and over, ask yourself, what is it for? Because we do pursue a lot of goals that we think will make us happy just because someone has told us that or our own fantasies have taken us there. You know, it's the old, uh, you know, wealth, fame, uh, and uh, power uh, trip thing. Um, but what is it for? Because if what you're doing, if the relationship doesn't ultimately serve the goal of love, peace, um, oneness, and of course, happiness, then, you know, the ego has gotten its uh, dirty little claws in there. And it's going to be important to see where it's twisting that. Now, that doesn't mean that you pile guilt on yourself for it, because that's what our egos do. You know, it's like that's their job. Um, But it does mean that once you're aware of it, you take it to the place where it can be healed because you want it to be healed. You want your relationships to be about peace, love, union, um, you know, joy. So you give it to the Holy Spirit. Uh, because that's the only way that it transforms. I mean, there's certain core teachings in the course that show up over and over and over again. And perhaps, you know, one of the, yeah, the top three would be, you don't know what anything is for. I mean, that starts right at the beginning of the workbook lessons, you know, sort of helping to helping us to practice that we don't know what we're seeing, we don't know what our thoughts are. We don't even have any real thoughts because most of our thoughts are thoughts that we're having without God um, and apart from the Holy Spirit. So if we don't know any, what anything is for, you know, it's kind of like we're putting on a blindfold and putting earplugs in our ears and want, trying to wander through, you know, busy city streets. We're trying to, you know, cross Fifth Avenue in New York with, um, without being able to see or hear. And it doesn't work out terribly well. Let's just put it that way. Whereas if we trust the Holy Spirit, you know, we put our hand in his hand. uh, And by the way, I don't believe the Holy Spirit is a he. um, You know, the course came through in masculine terminology because it was meant to correct the mistakes of Christianity, which came through in masculine terminology. In Judaism, the Holy Spirit is conceptualized as feminine, female, the Shekinah, the feminine face of God. So just a little footnote there. But you put your hand in in hers, in his, in the Holy Spirit's hand. Now you're going to cross that street safely, no matter how busy or crazy it seems. So our relationships are no exception. We might think they're for different things. Um, We've got to give them all to the Holy Spirit for his purpose. And then this amazing thing happens. They start to transform, and we actually find that we are happier with them. You know, we're not cherry picking the one or two things about that person that we really wish they'd change. No, we're like, we might still see those things and we're seeing the light, the love behind it. And lo and behold, oftentimes, then the person really does shift. So, you know, ask yourself what it's for, especially in the arena of relationships, but with any goal that we have. The question we should always ask when you're confused about something situation, person's behavior, it doesn't matter what the event, but asking what is this for allows the Holy Spirit to give you the answer because it's the proper question to ask. You can't ask yeah. why is this happening to me or why is this person acting this way because they can't answer that question because it denotes deserving because what you're really asking with those questions about why something is happening, you're really saying what did I do to deserve this? 
when you ask what is this for, the answer could come. And in terms yeah. of what what we believe relationships to be about, many of us would agree that what well, relationships are so that we can fulfill our needs. But I have to say that if your needs include self-awareness on on such a deeper level that it takes conflict to get you there, then those relationships will, in fact, fulfill your needs. You'll get what you're asking for, yep. But but you got exactly what you're asking for, but we don't know that we're asking for it. And this is where all of this um, beautiful explanation comes in so that we can sort those those entanglements out and get a get a, a good grasp on really what the goal is and not this like this blindfolded um blind deaf and frightened person crossing this <laughs> avenue. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Okay. Paragraph two? Paragraph two. Here we go. This is this one's a little tougher. In this world, it is impossible to create, yet it is possible to make happy. I have said repeatedly that the Holy Spirit would not deprive you of your special relationships, but would transform them. And all that is meant by that is that he will restore to them the function given them by God. The function you have given them is clearly not to make happy, but the holy relationship shares God's purpose rather than aiming to make a substitute for it. Every special relationship you have made is a substitute for God's will and glorifies yours instead of his because of the illusion that they are different. That's a, that packs a big punch, hmm. especially the first sentence. In this world, it is impossible to create because we all, you just created a book, right? Oh, but the Course uses the word create very specifically. Right, <laughs> so we're going to go in the opposite direction. So that's a pretty bold statement. And to someone just flipping through the book, that might seem a little strange. So I interpret, yeah. <laughs> it, I interpret it as a continuation of the concept that everything we call to us or give birth to as an extension of ourselves is an extension of ourselves. We are not investing anything new in the world because everything is an extension of consciousness channeled through us. And I think Jesus wrote this paragraph to illustrate a point that it is impossible to make something new out of what is already there. For instance, with all of the energy held within the body, its framework, the subconscious, the unconscious, it's impossible to quote-unquote create something foreign from ourselves. It must be an extension of who we are. And so we cannot be independent of that extension and the process of that extension and its power to produce relationships, outcomes, or objects, like your book, in terms of products, projects, artistic expressions. We can, however, project and miscreate, meaning we make something, we make of something that which it is not, distorting its function and purpose, leading to the darkness and the conflict. So the Holy Spirit would not rob you of your choices to learn, but wants to help you learn that lesson and know your true self. Stated simply, he will reestablish the original function of relationship in your mind as set by God through transformation of delusion to truth. The function we have assigned to the special relationship is revenge, not to make happy. In that transformation from a special relationship to a holy relationship, we learn to align with God's love rather than our flimsy, changeable, painful adaptation of it. Sentence 7 states every special relationship 
you have made is a substitute for God's will and glorifies yours instead of his because of the illusion that they are different. Takes us right back to thy will be done, not my own, as an appeal for God's truth over the illusory insanity of the ego. So ask the Holy Spirit to come in and work God's will through you instead of the ego's mission to skew the meaning of love and keep you captive. The will of our ego steers us towards salvation from feeling separate and alone by keeping us that way, which is an illusion, and that leads to projection, which is an inappropriate use of extension. The true salvation we cry out for is the deliverance from the ego's confusing and frightening funhouse mirrors, I like to call them, because it just Mm -hmm. plays tricks with your mind. And so to make an attempt to make each special relationship serve a different function and take on a, a different meaning, like, you know, this relationship meant one thing. If this relationship is, has a whole new meaning, that only draws you further into illusion because we evaluate our special relationships in terms of their importance to our, I like this phrase, happy satisfaction, our sense of safety, how well they balance our scales of justice, and how one is better than the other by what it has to offer. But they all serve the same purpose. And every additional, everything additional in the classification of any given relationship that does not sustain the true function of relationships as put forth here and the truth that we are all one collective extension of the creator only serves to cast shadows and separation on each relationship so that they look and feel different to us. It's like being distracted by a shiny object when the sun is shining in your face. We turn from the light of truth to a substitute for what we truly desire, which is unconditional love, which is available to us at all times. And so for the listeners, for the students, uh, I also want to point out, you can refer to Chapter 2, The Separation and the Atonement. Um, It's the origins of separation where it goes into the inappropriate use of extension or projection, um, how that occurs, and it's really good information to help you understand just this second paragraph. I found it very illuminating. And that's what I've got for that. Great. That's so, all yeah, I've got to uh, say about that. I, I think the uh, the chapter two um, suggestion is a great one. And for those who may not um, put in that time, let me just explain. The word create and creation has a very particular meaning in A Course in Miracles. Um, they would, the cor- Jesus in the Course would say, no, God did not create the world you, the Son of God, made the world when you decided to believe that you could be separate from God. Uh, and that one little decision, and I think of it almost as a, huh, what if I were separate? And then, boom, the mind is so powerful, the Big Bang happens, and suddenly this whole world of form and cause and effect and time comes into place because it's that powerful. Creation, the word in A Course in Miracles, is reserved for God and for us in our complete state, it is, it's the ability to extend what the, the totality of your being, which of course is love, to give rise to a new awareness um, that is also love, that is no different than you, than the, the one that created it, but is different only because it was in the position of being the created rather than the creator. So when it says in this world it is impossible to create, what it's saying is that because we're in this fractured state, because we all think we're different, we can't create as God creates anymore because we don't recognize our our oneness, our unity as the son of God. 
once we recognize that, boom, not only do we create, we've already created it. You know, we've got these creations. And I think of it as, you know, and our creations have their creations, which are our creations. And, and it goes on and on forever in this amazing explosion of love that just never ends and just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and you know, the ego mind can't conceive of it. We, 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 we at some point just sort of, you know, go on, on tilt mechanism. So it says, in this world, it's impossible to create. We can't do that extending of love in that way because we've already pulled away from it as fractured beings. But then it goes on to say, yet it is possible to make happy. And this is kind of, you know, the reverse engineering of it. All right, the purpose of relationships is to make happy. You don't know what a real relationship is anymore, but we can kind of reverse engineer that and show you how if you start to learn how to make happy, that's going to begin to pull you back into this oneness. This is that desire to affiliate and join that I, I write about in, in my new book. Um, so, but you have to do it under the Holy Spirit because once again, you don't know. Um, you know, here are Shara and I doing this. This is, this is a very holy relationship that has as its sole purpose extending what we know, our, you know, the love that's here. Um, but, you know, we didn't pick it out. Uh, you know, you read my first book. I wrote the first book having no clue what was going to happen with it. We both were under the guidance of Holy Spirit, and it brought us together. You will find yourself being brought to where you need to go with the purpose of uh, making happy. But again, we don't really know what will make us happy. I mean, if we were in a, a physical classroom, I'd say, okay, how many of you have ever had a relationship where you knew it would make you happy and you got into it and three months, six months, one year, two years later, you were like, oh, I'm not happy anymore. And I'll bet every single person in that room would raise their hand mm -hmm. because, because the ego does special relationships, as you were saying. The ego selects the relationships for, oh, this person has what I need because uh, I have that hole in me that I don't want anyone to see. So I'm going to fall in love with you. So you plug that hole. I mean, one of the sections in Chapter 16 talks about how the special relationship begins to disintegrate the moment it actually happens because mm -hmm. its goal is to eliminate the other person and live purely in fantasy. I mean, mm -hmm. this is the ego's ideal. The ego doesn't want to have to deal with another son of God who's fractured and who might just offer a temptation to join in a holy relationship. No, the ego would prefer to have its fantasy. So this is what I hear this, this paragraph saying is that, you know, yeah, we don't know what we're doing. The function you have given them is clearly not to make happy the relationships, but the holy relationship shares God's purpose. And, Really, what is, a course in, what is one of the goals of the Course in Miracles? To help us understand that all of our relationships are potentially holy if we place them in the hands of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we're fulfilling the function of relationships, which is to make happy, even though we're not yet creating as God created, because, you know, look around, we're still here in this world of uh, perception and illusion and fragmentation. But we've started to reverse engineer the process. We're now moving back up that gradient towards happiness, love, wholeness, rather than dropping into further separation, fantasy, and delusion. So that's mm. where I go with that one. Well said. And I want to touch on something you mentioned about filling that void, um, using relationships to fill a certain void. 
when I mentioned um, and referred everybody to Chapter 2, um, I think it's Section 1, The Origins of Separation, Paragraph 1. It talks about the inappropriate use of, of extension. It also says that um, that occurs when you believe that some emptiness or lack exists in you and that you can fill it with your own ideas instead of truth. That's what I think this paragraph is talking about, kind of like you said, the different faces of a concept. But then it gives you the four steps of the process in that section and goes on to discuss the Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden. And in, in the paragraphs coming up, the Garden of Eden popped up in my mind a couple times. So I kind of had to use the, these two sections to support each other because it's really fascinating how, with the way it's laid out, he introduces the concept, you go down deep into it, and then reintroduces it kind of from a different angle, and that's where we are now with this. That's great. Taking you deeper. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I like that he lays out the four steps of the process of projection. I thought that yeah, was uh, very... Yeah, different beliefs that we that we believe we can hold that, that create, yeah. that, not create, that make separation. I mean, when you're right. talking about this, Yes, it might seem like semantics, but using the language of the course actually is a thought training process. You know, when I say make instead of create, it helps me to remember, oh, yeah, what's here is not God's creation. In fact, when we see something beautiful or loving or wonderful, it's that way because we endow it with that through our seeing. You know, it's not that the sunset is beautiful. It's that you, the mind in that moment, Perceiving that sunset have brought beauty and love to it. Um, you know, that's what does it. Uh, so, mm. um, so using the words can be, you know, you can get into, oh, you know, stupid course in miracles, create, make, blah, blah, blah. No, the words are, they're helpful for mind training. And, you know, the course does tell us frequently our minds are completely unruly. And uh, mind training in that regard is a good thing. It helps us move from wrong mindedness to right mindedness. Mhm. Mhm. And the wrong right. mindedness is why we're so unhappy. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and right and mindedness is, is connected to the Christ consciousness yes. and and the truth of who we are, what we are, and what our purpose is. Yes. That's it right there. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> well done. Okay. All right. Paragraph we want to shoot three. for paragraph three. Okay. Go ahead. You have made very real relationships even in this world, yet you do not recognize them because you have raised their substitutes to such predominance that when truth calls to you, as it does constantly, you answer with a substitute. Every special relationship you have made has as its fundamental purpose the aim of occupying your mind so completely that you will not hear the call of truth. That's a short, sweet paragraph, three sentences, mm. um, and it's boom, boom, boom. It's, it's incredibly powerful. So first it's telling us that um, you have made, and note it uses the word make, uh, the mm-hmm. verb make rather than create. You have made very real relationships even in this world. And I was thinking about that um, and thinking, so what would that be? And what I came up with was, you know, Think about the people who've been in your life, either long-term or short-term, where when you think of them, you just feel warm. You just feel loving. You just like them. Maybe they're not even that close to you. Maybe it's just someone at work who just 
you know, seems to be kind all the time. Maybe it was an expression on someone's face on an Internet, YouTube video. But they're just these little these relationships, and they can be extremely brief, or they can be, you know, someone who's in your life all the time where there is no anger, guilt, jealousy. There's no need. There's no attachment. We're not with them because we expect something. Um, and there's no aversion. There's no little, I wish they would just change that. Um, but we don't recognize them, or rather we don't recognize them for what they are, uh, a conduit for love. Why? Because we're looking over in this other direction at, ooh, he looks hot, she looks hot. Ooh, I think that one's going to make me some money. Oh, you know, who can I get to sell my books for me? Who can I get to, uh, you know, give me a good uh, tip on the racehorse at the track? I mean, we are, as egos, we're going through the world using our special relationships as a substitute. And the ego wants to fill our head with all this stuff so that we can't really hear the call of truth in those relationships where maybe they really do speak to us. It's kind of like, um, you know, like the ego has this air horn and every time you get around someone who starts talking to you in this beautiful, quiet, lilting way that just makes you feel so good, the ego sounds its air horn. And it's like, (laughs) oh yeah, sorry about that. Let me come back to uh, where we were. I actually saw this once in a very, very real way. Um, when I was a psychiatric resident uh, working in, a, in the general medical hospital, a good friend of my family, um, my father's best friend, actually, his wife was dying of cancer in the hospital. And I had popped in for a visit. And, of course, I was a course student then, um, and uh, although nobody knew it. And so I'm sitting in the room, and I'm looking at this dying woman's face. And it's just beautiful. I mean, she is at peace. She has this smile on her face, and there are all of these other visitors in the room chatting with each other, and she's kind of oblivious to them. You know, she's, in, she's, she's enveloped in her own light, and every once in a while, one of them would turn to her, and let me, I'll call her, uh, you know, Pat, because I don't want to use real names, would go, Pat, what do you think of that? And she'd sort of look, brought out of it, and her whole face would go into this, like, distressed and angry look. And then they'd go back to their conversation and she'd drift back to this place of peace. That's kind of our natural state, but the ego keeps us, um, you know, it, it sounds that air horn and we're pulled out of that potential bliss. What in, in my book I'm calling the ever mind, uh, we lose the ever mind and we're back in the never mind. We lose the Christ and we're back in the ego. And because of all of our training in this world, we think that's what's important. You know what? You're just going to sit there and bliss. You know, um, come on, you're dying. You better get with it. You know? No, of course you're going to sit there and bliss. What else is there to do ever, really? Um, that's our that's our job. And so once again, we want to recognize some of the real relationships we've made. But even more important, we want to offer the special relationships we have to the Holy Spirit, so that they can be repurposed. Quite literally, I mean that is the word. The Holy Spirit repurposes specialness so that it serves the goal of forgiveness and is no longer a barrier to our remembering our true state, which is love, which is God. 
So we let the Holy Spirit do the repurposing, and then we don't have to do anything. I was thinking earlier, you know, a lot of um, evangelicals and people go around going, well, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And I realized we don't have to ask ourselves what Jesus would do. We just need to let him do it. Um, you know, it's not, well, what would, and then we've got to figure it out. It's like, take this from me and, you know, look upon it. Uh, my wife is reading uh, Ken Wapnick's book, Absence from Felicity, which is um, kind of all about the scribing of the course and Helen Shuckman and Bill Thetford and what they were doing. And mm -hmm. I read this years and years ago. I didn't remember much of it, but she's reading me these too. sections to me. And it's quite striking where Jesus is saying to Helen, let me take care of the trivial details in your life. You spent, you spent hours going to different stores looking for a coat. I could have told you exactly where to go and which coat to get that would have solved your problem completely. And I think a lot of us go, oh, well, you know, God is too important to get into those little details with us. We'll give those to the ego. But when we give them to the ego, we're telling God, we don't want God. We don't want the Holy Spirit. And what this is saying is, Give it to the Holy Spirit. And no, we may not hear the voice of Jesus in our heads quite as clearly as Helen Shuckman did. Um, you know, that was a talent that she developed over lifetimes and lifetimes. But with the intention, we are asking, you know, it's Abraham Hicks. We're sending off a rocket of desire, and it's not an ego desire. It's, it's a, the only desire we can have. It's, again, that desire for peace and love. And when we do that, sure, Jesus will come in and do it for us. Um, we may not even know how that happens. I mean, I've had circumstances, well, like, like with the book delay, where I thought something was just really not working out, and then I found out later, oh, if I'd, if I'd sent that email when I thought I should have, nobody would have been ready for, to give me the answer. And now, yeah, I'm three months late, but, oh, the answer's there. We got, we've got to trust. We've got to trust. So this little paragraph, you know, every special relationship you've made, occupy the mind so completely you will not hear the call of truth. That's really it. So, you know, do we want to fill our mind with the ego's air horn or do we want to, you know, let it get quiet so that, you know, the song, what, what the Course calls the forgotten song, um, you know, the, the, the call of spirit returns to us and uh, we hear that, that forgotten song, which is the most beautiful thing we could imagine. And, and the more we hear it, of course, the more we say to ourselves, oh, yeah, that's what I want. Everything else starts fading in comparison. And then all of your to-dos start lining up so that they become either in service of bringing you that peacefulness or showing you where you still have a block, a barrier against it, so that you can give that to the Holy Spirit and begin to release it so that you can experience it more, experience the beauty more. Okay, um, your thoughts. Wow. <laughs> My goodness. That was genius. Okay. We both do some really good, uh, you know, we're, we're, that's what I mean by it's, it's a really, I think our intentions in doing this segment are so aligned that what comes through just gets more, less and less cluttered, less and less contaminated. Yes. Yes. But I want to touch on, before I get into my thoughts, I want to touch on what you said about mm -hmm. um, inviting them in, even for the little things. It doesn't matter if you're looking to buy a coat or if you're trying to decide what you want to eat. Um, 
what to do about a problem, it's like I said in the beginning. Don't let go of that connection. It doesn't matter that your ego calls it small and that it says that you're insignificant and God doesn't have time for you or the Holy Spirit can't be bothered with trivial things or that Jesus doesn't care about possessions. You know, it's whatever the ego, your ego tells you in those cases, that's where you want to resist that and maintain that connection and say, you helped me pick the right coat. I trust you. Mm-hmm. Because I had an experience like that in a mall one day back in probably around 2002. And I really liked these, um, these these shoes had come out. And uh, I really thought the style was cool and I wanted a pair. And so I went to the mall. And then I hear, no, don't buy those. There's another pair in another store not far away for a cheaper price. Oh, that's money. great. I was like, seriously? Again, like put it back. Like, I'm, I, I literally can be in Walmart and reach for something on a shelf and I hear, put it back. <laughs> put it back. Oh, well. And and so I had to go through that to learn what we're talking about right now. Every moment, invite me in. I'm asking you to do this. You are not an inconvenience to me, Charlotte. It was basically the lesson. So yeah, I went down the hall in the mall, went to another store that I probably wouldn't have walked into. And there was the, almost the same pair of shoes for less money. And so I learned that lesson that ask, ask them into everything. Make them a part of Make them, make them a part of your consciousness that, that you've forgotten. Reestablish that connection so that you can have access to that happiness, that bliss, that joy. Um, that's what I wanted to add to that. That, Like I say, Perfect. Yes. Whatever, whatever does not confirm your connection to God is the ego, or you can call it sin, whatever you want to say. But the thoughts that I had written down... <clears throat> are that I feel this is saying that we have managed to forge very real holy relationships in this world, but they are not distinguished in our perception because they are not illuminated or made obvious in our minds. Instead, we've projected so much significance and false meaning onto them that we only see the special components of attack and revenge. And then when we are asked to see the true meaning of those relationships, we block that truth by highlighting and reinforcing those beliefs we've held in reserve about that particular relationship. Special relationship function is to distract you and keep you captive and spellbound in the belief in separation. But not hearing the call of truth, I believe, is a choice and not a side effect of this distraction. It is then that we need most to listen to what truth is trying to tell us. I also wanted to touch on, uh, I wanted to give another visual. Picture, say you're on the Internet, you're on a social platform like Facebook. And suppose someone you go to, you're part of a group, I'm I'm a member of several groups on Facebook, and someone says, you know, for all of you out there, my family member is dying, we don't think there's any hope, but we need your prayers. Please pray. Please send us your energy, your light, your love. And you simply write, prayers are on their way. I understand. We might see that particular relationship as something trivial or almost non-existent because you don't know the person face-to-face. But you reached out in love to that person when they needed it most. And so I think part of this paragraph is saying you have made very real relationships in this world, yet you do not recognize them because you have raised their substitute to such predominance that when truth calls to you as it does, you answer with a substitute. So we kind of overlook 
a relationship that is, in fact, by these definitions, holy, but not as significant as one of our special relationships that we think is so important to us. And so when the truth does call to us, we, we answer with our um, that um, flimsy uh, version of love that we think is what we're looking for. That's how mm-hmm. we respond to that. But at, at its at fundamental purpose, every special relationship you have made, it's the aim of occupying your mind so completely you will not hear the call of truth. And so we put so much importance. And you, in that special relationship, there's all that din and clamor of needs not being met or revenge or attack or abandonment, whatever have you. That noise gets so loud that it's hard to get to the silence. So perhaps we can reevaluate any number of relationships and say, you know, I didn't get very close to that person at work. Uh, we didn't go to lunch every day. But there was something about that alliance that was peaceful. And that might give you a glimpse into what a, a holy relationship feels like. Yeah, it reminds me um, in the Manual for Teachers when it talks about, you know, who are God's teachers uh, and who are their students, or who are their pupils, rather, that the first step is recognizing in someone else the same interests as yourself. Um, you know, so we align if, you know, we're in the same foxhole or we're in the same classroom, you know, taking the same organic chemistry class, what have you. But but that's really, you know, what you're saying here, um, you know, with answering the prayer, there's a common purpose. You don't have to go visit that person. You don't have to travel to the dying person's bedside or, you know, there's just an offer of love. There's a request for love, and there's an offer of love, and the love is given and the love is received. Um, and since time is an illusion, that's all happening sort of simultaneously. And if you picture that almost like in kind of a flow chart form, love given, love received, love asked for, love responded to, you can see how that blurs the boundaries of separation and allows us to experience ourselves as part of a greater wholeness, even just there with those two people. And that becomes the template for a holy relationship. We align interests. uh, And at first, those interests might even be ego interests. You know, we're all Patriots fans or Kansas City fans. And, And, you know, I'll tell you, having been to a few football games in my time, that's a pretty heady experience being surrounded by people, all of whom are passionate about the home team the way you are. But it, it, it's an experience defined by opposition, whereas the giving and receiving of love, there's no opposition in there. Everybody wins, and that then opens the door to, to the holy relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we tend to overlook the value of some of those relationships because they don't fulfill that special function. That's what right. takes that takes the um, uh, the forefront of our minds is um, my husband is very, very special to me. And so he's more important than this person at work who uh, I helped with their right. project and, and helped them meet that deadline. Um, and they were so upset or whatever. And so if we look, the value is, is there, but we wrap it in a different packaging based on the ego's scale. Yeah, well, we've been trained to look for specialness. You're right. I mean, that's right. And and what this paragraph is saying is, yeah, we by putting specialness on an altar, we don't get to see what's really on that altar, which is, you know, the real the real relationship.
relationship, the holy relationship. Absolutely. Wow. Well, do we go to another paragraph or do we kind of leave it there and pick up next time with paragraph four? Ah, good question. Well, we're already a little over. I'm thinking let's pick it up with paragraph four next time. And that, I think, especially because paragraph four is going to force us to do a little bit of a recap, whereas by the time we get to paragraph five, we're beginning to move into a little bit of new material. So four will let us do the recap and segue. Yeah, I, I would say... I'm feeling pretty complete. I think this was just great. And, um, and yeah, we quote unquote only covered three paragraphs, but we covered the entire course of the entire course in miracles in those three paragraphs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I said, you know how we get, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> and there's so much here. There's so much here that I, I would be remiss not to really express fully what this evokes in me. You know what I mean? And so yeah. it might get a little long for one paragraph, but I, I get that out and and make those those statements and those those points and and give those visuals. And so that's just that's just how I teach. Well, and I but, think it's part of the value of of these segments, these uh, because if you're just reading the text, you're going to bounce through the lines, and some of them will strike you, and others will seem confusing. And but by um, by sort of uh, you know clicking on each paragraph, so to speak, and letting it you know open up uh, into its fullness through our dialogue, I think we. My hope is that that people um, are able to receive the transmission that is there in every line of A Course in Miracles. You know, this is a living book. I mean, it, 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 it literally speaks to you and will speak to you in ways that are pretty uncanny and that I have not encountered in any other book. I mean, yeah, I've read spiritual books that are like, wow, that's great, or I have a synchronicity around them. Um, but I really, you know, my, my strong sense is that every line here is potentially a transmission if we're open to it. And I think what you and I are doing is just allowing that to come through us and share that with everyone listening now or 50 years from now. And mm-hmm. and in doing that, just as we were saying earlier, the boundaries that seem to keep us separate begin to thin out and dissolve, and we realize we're all on that same journey. Um, I've talked about this many times, but not recently. There's a great Rumi poem that I have never been able to find. I heard it somewhere in a tape or a lecture and I just I went through the entire Coleman Barks Rumi Red Book and I couldn't find it. But he's describing a caravan and how, you know, the caravan doesn't set out all at once, you know, sort of some people leave first and they're like the advanced scouts and then there's the others and then there's the main body of it and then the wives and children and then the rear guard and you know, and so these people are all sort of setting out over like a three day period and they're gonna arrive at the oasis at different times. And, and, and that's the plan of atonement. Time is an illusion. You know, we're all sort of setting out in our own way, in our own time. And it looks like we're even taking different routes, but they're different routes only in the world of form. It's really all the same path. We're all taking that path towards awakening. So whether, you know, it's you and I talking today on what, January 21st, 2019, or whether it's someone listening a year from now, 
or whether these get archived and someone's listening 50 years from now um, or 500 years from now, I don't know, you know, uh, it doesn't matter because the transmission is the same and we're still all on the same journey because it's the only journey there is. All right, right. enough. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, <sighs> I have a prayer picked out. Beautiful. That I think yeah. is appropriate. And thank you again. And I'm so happy that you got to launch your book today. And oh, thank you. I hope everybody goes out and gets it, enjoys it. And uh, I look forward to reading it myself and learning even more. That and I agree. Great. Every every sentence in this book is, is like a living transmission. Um, I love yeah. I love this stuff. I love it. Yeah, okay. me too. Well, th- thank you once again, thank Dr. Bob, for your time and for your expertise. Uh, I think this segment was absolutely fabulous. Yeah, thank you for joining with me on it and in that common purpose so that we could bring this this forward. Um, what, a, what, a, what a delight, what a joy. Mm, absolutely. Okay, and so once again, ladies and gentlemen, that is drbob-author.com without punctuation, drbob-author.com. That's where you go to get the book. Spiritualinsightsradio.com is where you want to go to check out the archives of all of our discussions together. Um, re- check out anything you like. Go out and hang out on there. Hundreds of people hang out on the website every week just going through the material. So there's plenty to go through. Okay? Great. All right. So we get our prayer, as always, from Choose Once Again, Selections from A Course in Miracles, published by the Foundation for Inner Peace. I am on page 91. Here we go. The end of suffering cannot be lost. The gift of suffering can be but gain. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me start over. The end of suffering cannot be lost. The gift of everything can be but gain. You only give. You never take away. And you created me to be like you. So sacrifice becomes impossible for me as well as you. I too must give. So all things are given unto me forever and forever. As I was created, I remain. Your son can make no sacrifice, for he must be complete, having the function of completing you. I am complete because I am your son. I cannot lose, for I can only give, and everything is mine eternally. Amen to that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, God bless and be at peace. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.